to be able to do stuff that other people can't do and to make things that have never been made before, it's a total privilege. Opening the eye of an idea is like opening up a portal. The idea of diversity of thought brings the, the best work. Stu, thanks for coming. Um, thanks for coming on the the interview, the podcast. Not quite sure what we're calling it. The pilot. The pi- it is the pilot. So, bit of an intro first. Stu Wilson, um, highly decorated creative director. Can I say award winning? Uh, there's a few, probably not enough, but I've, I've got a few in the bag. Award winning creative director, AKQA, McCann, Havas, JWT. I mean, all the all the big famous agencies, you're the you're the perfect person to kick off the series. Um, welcome. Creativity. I mean, being a creative is kind of a weird thing. How do you describe that to people that aren't in the industry? Well, for, first of all, I have terrible impos- imposter syndrome. So when people say such things as big dogs and things like that, I kind of go, really, is that me? Because I kind of feel like I'm still 19 in my head. It's, I'm sure it's well known. A lot of people do not, say those things. You <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, for, for me, I still kind of feel like I'm working it out. Still feel like haven't done my best work. Still looking for that opportunity to, to, to get there to do that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things like a a creative's life is, um, sometimes difficult, but most of the time, uh, it's a great life, you know, just being able to, you know, make stuff up, um, from, not from nowhere, but, but, you know, to be able to do stuff that other people can't do and to make things that have never been made before, it's a total privilege. Um, and, it, you know, for me, I, I hope my career goes on for another 25 years. You know, it's tough at the moment. With a, There's a lot of changes and I'm fighting to stay alive and stay relevant, but um, still enjoying it as much as I did on my first day at work at AKQA. That's great to hear. So you, you love it. It's still gets you out of bed at the morning, the you know, brief lands on the desk and you're you're excited. Yeah, there's not there's nothing better than the the potential that's involved. Um I think a lot of I think I was listening to Erling Haaland speak the other night about breaking his um scoring record. He got thirty five goals uh on Wednesday night, I think. Um and he just his quote when the when he was asked about it was that there was um a lot of opportunity uh during the game and he also spoke almost in a a micro sense about it because he chipped the goal he chipped the goalkeeper to it's a really stylish finish to get the 35th goal right and this all happens in a split second using instinct and he said even running up to the ball in that last sec you know that that last second he didn't know whether he was going to put it to the right or the left he just said that he saw the opportunity to chip it over the head and so that's really good metaphor for being a creative is you're constantly looking for opportunity um, and and that's what you're paid to do yeah so I mean you're talking about the instincts of a great striker do you find that your instinct is you know, being in the industry 20, 25 years that you're you're honed and you're able to kind of crack a brief more quickly and more instinctively, or is it still, the, the process is still, you've still got to go through the same process you did at the beginning of your career? Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a period of growing up where you're following elders and you're learning from what they give to you but you may not have consciously uh, taken note of what's taking place. So you end up doing things automatically, you know, almost like Kung Fu type of thing with a sensei, where you don't really know why you're throwing punches. But eventually at some point, certainly in my career, I sat down 
it didn't happen in, in one session. You know, metaphorically, I sat down and thought, what am I doing? And then drew up these, these series of steps that I was kind of like, oh, wow. I mean, it came, you know, at a time where I was involved in coming up with process at JWT in the employer brand section. And I drafted something up and I wanted to get it checked. So I got it checked by uh, uh, an old colleague who's fantastic ex-creative director and planner at TBWA, GGT. It's called Richard Madden. And at the time he was at KitKat Noor. I tapped him up, he invited me over and he sent me to lunch with a guy called um, Lazar Darmic. And Lazar Darmic looked at what I'd done didn't quite necessarily pull it to pieces. The pair of us were drawing on beer mats and sketching things all over the place and discussing stuff. And it was one of those moments in my career where I was just so lucky to have been put in that position to hear those words. And he said, you're doing great. You know, this is great. You can change this and you can change that. And then he invited me back to his studio and took, took his polystyrene sort of uh, designed process, 10 stage process, pulled it off the wall and gave it to me. And he said, take that back to JWT. Wow. And I was literally holding this thing on the tube on the way back to work. So I was kind of like blessed, given the keys to the door. So since then, like you say, I have been a bit faster in getting, getting to the point but it does depend on the context of each brief. Sometimes things are harder to crack for certain inherent reasons that other other briefs are more easier and do follow the the, the funnel or the process to be able to get sure. stuff done. So do you think you so you can give creativity process to help, or sometimes do you just need a a lightning bolt, or is it about the process helps you? channel that lightning bolt you it gives you the rod i i love i love the fact that you've um brought in the lightning rod i call it um opening the eye of the idea so i'm gonna get a bit spiritual now <laughs> um we know about conscious and subconscious yeah when you have an idea the the verb have right what does that actually mean it, you know, opening the eye of an idea is like opening up a portal. And you can open up that portal with stimulus. So I kind of have this thing where not necessarily worked it all out yet, but in terms of like neurochemistry, as we're looking at the research that we're, or the brief, or, or the stimulus, or even looking at um, kind of like consumer data, what we're doing is, is we're stimulating that brain chemistry and those synapses, are f they're firing and the, our, our own eyes are looking deeper and more clearer through, through what is a, a series of disparate bits of information and we start to join the dots. Now, joining dots is not necessarily having having an idea, see me, I'm sort of bringing it in from that spiritual level. I believe the moment that you say lightning rod, that's when the eye opens briefly into the subconscious and the subconscious gives us the gift. So in a sense, I've spent like my whole life trying to open up the eye of an idea. Right. Uh, and it's almost like an aperture on a camera so it opens up, it delivers it, and then it closes again and it's gone. Now, sometimes that gift might be, you know, Cannes Lion award winning, and sometimes not so much. Sometimes when it comes through, it can be almost like cleared and finished, and you have your vision. So as a creative director, it, sometimes it may be quite weird to the rest of the team for the person to go, I know the way forward, we're going to do this, this, and this, and from that point on, we we follow that person, and we don't ask questions because they seem to have it all sorted out. But other times, it comes out and it's covered in Vaseline. It's it's blurred, 
you know, and and we and we're we're really worried about it because we're not sure that it can actually live or it can do anything. But once it's out, if you can communicate that to your team, another part of the team, another person in the team can see past the Vaseline and they go, yeah, that is good. And they start to burnish it. Right, they and, can help shape it. And yeah, and the collaboration part of it, then you start to say, ah, we there's oxygen here, but the kindling is coming, turning into a fire and it, there's something gonna be born out of this. But I think until you get to the point where you admit to yourself that these gifts they're actually not coming from you, from your soul. They're coming from your brain. It's saying that you hear with um, songwriters or musicians quite a lot, you know, also creatives that, you know, you might hear them talking about where the lyrics came from, where the melody came from. And often they're just, the response is, oh, I just sat down and played it or sat down and, just, you know, wrote the lyrics to Wonderwall. It's like, there's no, it was just channeled. They don't even think it was from themselves and I guess it's sim it's similar you can't you're just that that rod that eye that portal for the idea the creative the writing the script the lyrics whatever it might be yeah and and you know those those gifts the sometimes when you hear someone speak of it in that way you think oh would the portal open for the, for the length of Wonderwall for you to write it in real time but actually the vision which is the biggest part of all of this, the vision which has come out of the strategy and the strategies come out of the research and the research has come out of the invitation to tender document, which has come out of the client who's done the, their own market research and found the problem that they came to the agency with. All of that stuff is standing on the shoulders of giants. That's another Oasis kind of reference. But, it's, but it is true, it's like a pyramid we stand on their shoulders until eventually the vision is high enough to see down almost. It's kind of strange metaphor, but it's this, it, but what happens is, is the vision happens really quickly and for a split second, but it's like seeing your life before your eyes, before you die. Your life flashes before your eyes. That's what they say, right? So it's almost like this whole project has flashed before your eyes. This whole solution it's like a cheat sheet. The subconscious provided it because it was stimulated with the right things. The right prompts. Yes, all, all your team, yeah. your team who are in planning and strategy and all this, all the bit before it gets to creative, they have to have done all of their jobs properly because if you're stimulating your brain on the wrong things, you're going to be a degree out one way or the other. So the important thing is when you have the vision you must get it out of your brain. Because if it stays in your brain, you can end up walking around the business. Mm. And everyone in the agency just thinks you're an idiot because they don't know why you're doing what you're doing. So you, you have to spend a lot of time after having this spiritual moment of resonance and this gift, you have to go around and tell people about it, unpack it, draw a picture of it play some music, whatever it, you know, take a photo, whatever it is, you need to articulate the vision and then we build the bridge from where we are now to when it's been completed. So at least we've got the vision of it being completed. Yeah. We just have to make sure we get that bit right. So, I mean, so, um, so much to kind of unpack within that and so many things I want to ask you about, but you know, collaboration is definitely one have you so you know traditionally creators would be a, a a duo a partnership um was that something that that you've did, did you work as a as a pair as a creative pair within your career yeah but kind of before when um digital people were just kind of unfashionable in a sense um i was my creative director at the time nick moore he saw value in digital and he wanted to create a digital department within a direct agency, which was TBWA GDT. And so I managed to get in there early doors on, on that project. Um, but what would happen is the, you know, the six or seven of us that were picked, 
uh, we would get dropped in with creative teams. So that was in the days where it wasn't open plan. Everybody had an office and it was glass etched and you could have, you know, flat Eric on the shelf and your collection of Star Wars toys. What you could, you could dress your little cave the way you wanted to. And so ultimately I would have to take an empty chair and knock on the door and say, hello everyone, it's Stu from Digital. Nick's asked me to come in and sit in on this Vauxhall brief. And then I, they would have to let me in, sometimes not necessarily that willing, yeah. um, because they didn't see my value, they didn't see my use. Mm. And at the time, I didn't really know what I was doing. I, my toes were curling up inside my shoes, but they called it the three-person creative team. And so, you know, this would happen where we were cross-fertilizing different skill sets with, with different um, art director, copywriter teams, and things started to come out of that. And that you were the digital, and so it was art director, copywriter, and then they're plugging in digital as well. Yeah, I mean, they, they did try this, I heard, similar time at Saatchi and Saatchi, that was going on as well. Um, there's, there's other people um, who've come out of the, the industry who have said that almost like the three-person team is very sort of, I know it sounds weird, but 21st century, even though we're 20 years into it, it's this thing where you have a salesperson, a, a hustler, you know, and 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 this sort of not coder, but you know the the person who can actually make stuff happen. And so the three of them work together. They're not necessarily art director, copywriter, uh, and a suit. Yeah. But there is essences of those skill sets between the three of them. And so, you know, certain agencies have used that to really good effect. But, you know, there's still nothing wrong with art director, copywriter teams now because the people who are coming through from um, communication arts and, you know, Memphis, all these different places are educating people to think in the ways of all three skill sets in one person. It just seems that some two people have got together who um, have an affinity to one another and have taken the decision to join an organization as a pair. And they're, they're very good at kind of opening the eye and p pulling out the idea, mm. which may not be to do with uh, brand communication. It might be to do with digital marketing or creative technology um, or could even be product design or a mix of all of them. So you, you've got to, as an art director and copywriter, you have to have a much more broader set of skills than you had to have 25 years ago. But that's just because media's changed and we've all got to stay on board with that and follow it and keep, keep working to, you know, on the, on the, sometimes called a chain gang, but do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's sometimes be, being able to be masters of what's coming is to be able to predict where it's going and then to be able to find use cases for new technologies which are coming out. For example, it's really trendy for AI and chat GPT at the moment. Yeah, I, uh, I wondered how long it would be before we got onto AI because it's, you know, you can't go to any talks or shows or presentations and an AI doesn't come up something that I definitely do want to get into with you before that I just want to talk about environment you know you're talking about that that glass office with the you know the toys and flat Eric on 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 the walls uh how important is it to you to get the right environment to kind of get in a creative mindset where do you find yourself being the most creative well it's it's not on an open plan floor. Okay. At all. Well, you, you need to be a bit more locked away, but of quite time. Mm, well, the, obviously with COVID and everything, and we've gone to remote working and hybrid is a really big word at the moment, which is this idea that um, I, can still, I can still interface with a team 
on a project um, and affect it, but I don't necessarily have to be physically present um, with every aspect of every turn of that project. I don't need to be present. You know, like going to the christening of your children. It's like sometimes I don't need to be present at that christening, if you know what I mean. Not really. <laughs> Well, you, you only get one Christian once, but yeah. as every project comes in yeah. and, we, and a project is born, yeah. I don't have to attend every Christian. I don't have to be there for every single one and I can still affect it. Right. But, you know, sometimes that's I'd be not... I'd in the good books if I wasn't at every christening. <laughs> exactly, exactly, me too. But it's that thing where that's not necessarily true. Yeah. Because if you go back to before COVID or 2020, um, the level of work that was coming out was of a particular standard because everybody was present. And there, and for me, I, when I start a project, if I'm allowed to, from a budget perspective, um, then I will have, I would have 25 people in a room <laughs> and me stood in front of a, a big whiteboard drawing, drawing pictures and talking about stuff. Obviously it wouldn't be 25. I, I would probably have two creative teams that are possibly gonna get allocated this project. Right. But they need to witness everything that we're gonna go through. Uh, then no one gets it secondhand. Because when you learn it firsthand, you're an expert on the project. And that once, the, once we've got to a certain point, we might have a two day workshop and uh, which starts at creative strategy and moves into executional ideas where we might we might break for two hours and everybody comes back with ideas mm. and then we start to look for a, an out like a, a, a journey towards getting over that bridge you know what's the actual what is the mechanism what what is the carrier and we might crack that in two days or we might not but to me once i leave those people if I if there's a drag on my time and I need to do other things, I don't need to babysit anyone because they know as much as I do, and the, and at that point, I've given them the vision, and we've discussed the vision, and maybe we moved the direction of the vision together, because that was that was the right thing to do. Because not that they knew better than I knew, but because it actually, the idea of diversity of thought brings. The, the best work and if you don't know that you shouldn't be in advertising it shouldn't be in stock whatever it's called now you shouldn't be here if you don't understand that you know a person from japan and a person from you know brazil put them together and you get this amazing work that's completely different to what you might expect if you'd have given it to two english graduates who are both from london and middle class yeah you know that said put the english person with the japanese person and the brazil you get even better work yeah i love that that thought of bringing all that diversity together because you see you have this uh idea that oh this this creatives you know they're on this pedestal they're gonna do something magical and and brilliant just give them a bit of time and some inspiration they're gonna crack it but what you're saying is it, it's not that, is it? It's about getting some people in a room, throwing some ideas around with with the right guidance and on a on a track, but that's where the, the that magic would happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to start blowing smoke up your ass or anything, but that's why I come to you on certain projects when we need a film yeah. and we need we need an agency that's going to take care of it. Bring this back, Stu. Yeah. <laughs> But is but ultimately like take it to the next level because yeah. ultimately, you know, I'm not going to say I've made a few films, but I, I don't still like I say imposter syndrome. I don't consider myself to be an expert filmmaker, but I reckon I'm a really good brief writer. I can write a third party video company, you know, production house to to take what we've got in terms of building the bridge we're halfway across the bridge and we need you to get it over the line and i can hand that brief over to you and we've seen it many times where you complete that it's like doing a relay race and we're handing you the baton and at that point i'm really happy to just go 
you know, not just because I know you, but whoever I was working with, if I'd got a treatment back that was like, wow, look what they're going to do. To me at that point, I'm old enough and strong enough uh, in terms of ego not to want to interfere and just go, right, it's yours. Take it because y you do this better than I do. Mm. Happy to stand on the shoot and nudge a few things and yeah. cajole and help. Yeah. But otherwise, it's you know, this is your gig. And I would say the same thing if I was handing over a piece of creative technology to a development house. It's the same you know, as long as you know what they're about and you trust what they can do and reputations are good enough, there is no reason why you can't take your hands off the steering wheel somewhat. Yeah, but you're but you're still, and and it is great when we you know we we work with um, we get those briefs and we're given some freedom to add some value, whether it's you know uh, creatively or from a kind of technical production perspective, and that's the type of stuff that we love. But I'm I'm kind of interested to know the your role as a guardian of the the original idea, the concept. You kind of got to be a bit of a a bodyguard ushering this thing through the entire process with so many different stakeholders, so many different people that are need to be involved in the delivery of it. It's great that you say you know you can stand back and you don't have the ego. You can trust the people that. To, to help you deliver it. But at what stage do you jump in and be like, hang on, we've gone off course here. I need to wrestle it back or you know, gently take it back. Like, how do you manage that process? To that, Because you, you are still the conductor, aren't you? You need to keep things on track. I like guardian better than conductor, but conductor still feels like, I don't, I don't like too much control from anyone in the team, including myself. Is that, is that an experience thing? Have you always been like that? Like, was the younger you, would you hold on to it a bit more tightly? And then you've kind of learned that actually it, the work's better when it's more collaborative. No, it's, it's, I am a, I think I'm an INFJ is my personality type from okay. um, Myers-Briggs. So going back to that sort of spiritual thing I was talking about before about the, these gifts, um, I know that my type, my, my personality type, the, the way that I'm engineered, whether I grew, grew, the form that I became, um, doesn't respond to the stick. I respond to the carrot, and that's in binary terms is the best way to explain it. Um, I don't think, from my experience, that having, when I say control, I'm talking about, you know, certain management styles, um, which have been deployed upon me, and I've seen deployed on other people, um, do not bear the same fruit. Now, you, you know, the... The business itself is full of subjectivity, right? We're stuck with that. It's never going to go away. Every single, you know, all of us together, we've all got our own opinions about what we think is right or wrong. Um, and sometimes it's like survival of the loudest. You know, the person with the strongest opinions sometimes wins. Mm. Or who's ultimately paying the bill. Yeah, it does go that far sometimes, but it, but but ultimately, like I said before, I'm I'm comfortable in myself, and I do know that there's lots of people within the industry, you know, in terms of brand management on client side, who are the same, and some 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 of those are not young ones. They're they're the ones who are slightly older, who've got to this point in their life where they're just kind of like, well, as long as you follow the brief, and as long as this has the values of my brand in it go for your life again not saying i don't care what you do but i'm not going to necessarily interfere so you know this idea of strong control almost like from a military point of view that style still bears fruit
But in my opinion, from what I've seen throughout my career, it, it is not the strongest work. The, the, people want to feel free. There's another reason why they work as a creative is because there's a, a tremendous amount of freedom within the vocation. And when you see that freedom start to be taken away or to be eroded, um, even if it's down to the specification of um, a platform's um, shapes and sizes of images or what you can do and not do on that platform is affecting how you manifest your ideas. And sometimes you have to fall in line with that. Sometimes you have to be smart enough to work with those indicators um, to make sure that your audience doesn't see them as being restrictive. So, uh, it, you know, the journey, the journey with the team and the juniors and the middleweights and the everybody, that to me is as important as when we get over to the other side of that bridge and that thing becomes live and it goes out into the world and everybody's going, oh, wow, it's great, blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't really, it will happen probably where I get Stuart Wilson was the conductor. But at that point, I'm kind of like, mm, I was just one of the team though. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I know this probably sounds like I'm lying. Yeah. But I'm, honestly, it's, I can't work if everybody's not satisfied. We've all got to do a rap on a shoot and think that was the that was great. That was the best shoot ever. You know, I can't, I can't, you know what I mean? I can't launch a product and 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 think that, you know, oh, it could have been better. You know, we certain things affected it and didn't allow it to become to to raise to its potential. Yeah. But we kind of went, okay, it's fine. That's that's quite a big factor. It's impacting on it. We'll accept that. So it's a it's a case of kind of like it's not a fight, it's it's cajoling. That's what I do. Sometimes Master Cajoler. No, 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 more like more like um tickling. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm sort of like nurturing, tickling, yeah. you know, almost like a piece of clay. And and eventually I'll I'll get it across. Almost like a counselor. I'm like a I'm like a creative counselor. And I guess with, with the experience, you know what areas to tickle at what point in the process to get the the the, the, the desired results or un, you know get something from being unstuck or whatever it needs. Yeah, and you've got to know as well when you're going to get your fingers bitten off so you can't do any tickling. <laughs> so it's, it's best just to go, okay, no tickling over here. Yeah, I understand. I mean, I just want to talk about like some of the work that you've produced in your career history. What, if there is one, what are you most proud of? Like, what piece of work, what project, what campaign do you still look at? And it's like, yeah, that was great. That was a great process. That was a great whatever. What What would you? What comes to mind when I ask that? Um, I know I keep mentioning imposter syndrome, but it was. Uh, 2016, working on the New Balance global proposition for 2018. No, it was for 2017, sorry. So, uh, you know, this I get brought in as a consultant on a, on a contract basis and I have two weeks to win a pitch, a global pitch, against a lot of other similar-sized agencies and some big ones stateside in Boston, and um, I had a 25-person team. Everybody was in their 30s or younger. Um, I was the oldest. I think I was about four, 45. Um, and it was kind of a big responsibility. The, the thing that took the pressure off is that the people who'd employed me, they, they just said, oh, see how you go. If you, if you don't win it, it doesn't matter, but... But, but it did matter. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they were incapacitated. They were doing other things, okay. so they weren't in the they weren't in the country. Right. So I had the team to myself with no senior management, um, and it was I ran all of those things that I, that I mentioned. We we do deep diving stuff. We go into a single room. The room has a full wall, a glass wall, and we can write on it 
and you know basically designate areas um brainstorm theorize um sense check um you know actualize it all happened in that room um and ultimately as i say the end of the first week the tissue session we presented five ideas to the client and they wanted to run two um and that's never happened to me in my career the reason why i think it was happening is obviously you know without going into too too much i'm a footballer i've been a footballer since i was six years old um and you know throughout my career i'd i'd managed to get up to you know make semi pro sort of regions playing for cock foster this was when yeah. i'm too old to play anymore and it's finished but my knowledge of sport and sort of you know call it kinetics um that knowledge bank was kind of pre it was ready to deploy on the right brief and that brief came along and and that was a i guess coincidental or had that senior team brought you in knowing that you had that knowledge and deeper understanding they they brought me in because they knew that i'd worked on nike when i was at akqa i'd worked on puma when i was at jwt and i'd worked on adidas when i was right. at tequila so they kind of just picked those three brands and went if he's done that he could probably handle this um but i i mean it was just one of those moments where when it got to the presentation um we had two mood films created in house um we had the start of the brand guidelines for how that would roll out in multi channel um i mean the team was amazing you know just the the the, the industry in that team and the quality of that work like i said to you before so some of the design work was above and beyond what i could even create myself mm. and and that's my if you want to call me a t-shaped person i'm a designer through the middle so you know it was like everybody uh hit tens every single person right. hit a 10 and um yeah and they bought one and then they they said we'll run the other one next year wow and i've never this is something i've never seen in all my days in every iteration in every other organization i've ever worked with and obviously like yeah i'm jumping around in my bedroom mm. in my pants going i am a creative director <laughs> i've arrived yeah and uh you know well, well imposter syndrome yeah well for a while for a while but it was, but it was still kind of like um you know this is the global brand proposition i think it's a four billion dollar sports firm and it goes out to atlanta and they check the work in a, an exhibition with all the marketing leads from every part of the planet and they all agreed they wanted to run it so it's still even though we'd done it with the brand management team it still had to pass all these stakeholders from all over the world who are going to say can i sell my my quota of of apparel or or footwear um in the next 12 months running this proposition and they all said yes Brilliant. um and so you know it's just uh, you know it's not just the fact that we achieved that um it's the fact that you know it was so monumental yeah you know and and the work itself as well we called it beat predictability because it was going back to the football thing it was like drop your shoulder go the other side of the player and it's just a basic tenet of dribbling you know messi does it 27 times a second and he it's constantly like dropping shoulder that's you show someone a fake but then you move to the other side so you beating predictability so it's really original thought that just came from I say came from kinetic um you know this this idea that you your your body moves beyond your consciousness and the subconsciousness is the thing that fires the synapses so quick that you know in in a very short space of time 
you can move your body in ways, you know. It's back to that in instinct, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's not like the Matrix, you know what I mean? It's not that sort of thing, but it's just what when you watch football, how many times do players take other players on? And, and obviously some are better than others at doing it because, you know, I'm going to quote from Maradona, football is a game of um, deceit. And that is what dropping the shoulder is. You're deceiving the other person with your body language to move into the other direction. So, uh, you know, it's, yeah, I'll be proud to sit with my grandchildren when I'm 80 and tell them about dropping their shoulders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just seeing if it was New Balance on the feet, Puma, today. <laughs> uh, and then, do you still look at, you know, work all around you and say, oh, that's brilliant. That's not so much. Just judging stuff. What, is there something that you just thought, that is brilliant. I wish I had thought of that. Or do you not have those thoughts? I do. Um, again, from... From the idea of, I suppose, excellence, so the the highest quality work that that, that we can talk about, um, Dan Wyden coined the term "just do it." I'm sure he had, you know, a, a team of people around him, and he was in a room, and they were all putting up different suggestions until eventually something clicked, and 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 collaboratively you know, just do it comes out. Um, but for me, you know, if I'm jealous, you know, if something makes me green with envy, wishing that I could get in a time machine and go back in time, it would be to go to 1988 when that particularly launched. The weird thing is, is when it- what, to, to be To be a fly on the wall on that process where they landed on that. Yeah, because the, the weird thing is, is like when you when you're running brainstorms or workshops, and you're trying to crack something, particularly at the brand level, when you go into into sort of like archetypes. So we we all we all know about archetypes driving a lot of common stuff, and when you combine different archetypes, you get different types of brands coming out of them, and it is a core tenet of building building a brand um there's lots of different tools that you can get to 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 use it i use um knockwood cards that i would recommend you know you go out there and find that they're like tarot okay. cards but they they really kind of shot in the arm type of gets you and your client you sit with them with these cards over a coffee and you can save yourself three weeks work okay i'll have to check that out yeah but um just do it that Having gone through all those brainstorms, you start to see commonalities coming out of the brainstorms. And it's and it's the results of what ends up on the wall. And they are kind of, they, they surround archetype level, but they're doing lots of other things. Now, what I found is in terms of, you know, call it like an, an out or an interpretation of a brand. We used to say at JWT, um, there's a brand shelf in everyone's mind for every brand. So there's a Coca-Cola one. Da, 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 da. And brand equity is put onto the shelf over a period of years until eventually that shelf is absolutely bustling and thick and, you know, broad. And so it makes it really difficult for a person who's who enjoys that brand equity or, or that brand equity resonates with them to stand at point of sale and not choose Coke or not choose Pepsi, whichever one that, 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 you know, and that's the battlefield, right? Is that those shells being made. But for, for me, you know, the strap line, just do it. I, I did test it once. I think it's got 17 inflections, right? So there are 17 different ways that human beings read that line and it means something different to them. Like when you say, if there's a car accident, and 10 people witness it, the police interview 10 different people and they get 10 different points of view of what happened. If you're saying how much or how broad can a brand be to mean something to the most people in the audience, then just do it to me has 
that ability. And that's why it's excellence. That's why it's absolutely top quality work. Very difficult to be bettered. And has stood the test of time, unbelievably. So what, 1980s coined and still totally valid today? Yeah, I mean, the, fir the first ad was a little old man running across um, the bridge in San Francisco just with a VO. Very simple film. It, what, you know, what, what it's turned out to be is it's grown, but the essence is still the same if you read the script um, of, that, of that film. It's still the same thing, but it's just, it's been amplified, right? That's the kind of like the next stage for us all, isn't it, with each of these projects, is to come back and amplify again, yeah. build that brand shelf. I love, I love yeah. that analogy of the, the, the brand shelf. So you mentioned Time Machine. Um, if you had one, uh, go, you know, if you're able to go back in time and give yourself, your younger self, one piece of advice, Stu, what what would that be? I have written it in my notes. <laughs> what future you gave it to you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's being mindful of telling the truth because it can damage your career. T telling the truth can. Yeah, and what I mean by that is kind of sometimes you, you have to, um, what is that, going back to idioms, you, you have to kind of butter it up, don't you? You sort of have to, you have to make what you're about to say palatable to somebody else. You're talking in a kind of professional environment? Or just yeah, like general. we say, whether we're talking to stakeholders or colleagues okay. or or bosses, yeah, you know, anyone really. Um, it's kind of like somebody would say, ah, you know, don't sugarcoat things. You know, it's not the right thing to do. You should be authentic and all these sorts of things. And all that's all sort of well and good. And I, and, and when I was younger, I used to be into that. Um, Bob Marley quote that was like, um, I would rather die fighting than become a slave for the rest of my life. And I remember the moment I read that and it was like this, you know, the schism where I was like, bloody hell, yeah, that's what I feel. I don't, I don't want to be controlled. I don't, you know, all this sorts of stuff. Um, and then out of that, can come probably a, a persona which is, you might want, want to say cocky or not overconfident, but kind of like um, very sure of themselves, yeah. uber confident and not, not scared of um, kind of dropping bombs, you know, mic drops. Um, and as I've grown older, the damage that that has done, not just on me, but on other people, colleagues, friends, bosses, clients. Um, that's what I would go back and fix. What was that Channel 4 show where that guy used to go and undo stuff? What, uh, my name is Earl. My name is Earl. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say so, Life of Earl. <laughs> yeah. My name is Earl. And he goes back and writes the wrongs. Of yes, I would, I would do, instead of getting into the spaceship, yeah. I would get into the old rusty car and go back and talk to all these individuals yeah. and say, look, you know, I know, I know that what, how I came across that day, pressed a massive button on you. Um, and I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to upset you. I wasn't trying, I was just trying to kind of, I guess, be right. And this is what you have to go through to learn to say, it's not really about me. Maybe that's why the imposter syndrome stays, is because there's that feeling of not getting it right by everyone. And I know you can't get it right by everyone, but it's just this thing where you kind of go, I could have said that yeah. in, a, in a better way that probably would have been a win-win. Yeah, and that's just experience, isn't it? And you've got to go through those to learn the lessons to inform the next time you, you do it. Right, final bits, Stu. I'm conscious of the time. So I've got a little 
creative briefs slash challenge for you. So, well, it's kind of two parts, actually. You're, this is the pilot of this little kind of interview um, uh, series. We're at, the working title has been Creative Minds. Keen to th know if you think that's good or not before we commit to it. Um, and then the second part of that is when this goes out, we will obviously need a little thumbnail. If I gave you the brief of, can you design that thumbnail? What's it gonna look like? Does it have copy? Is that something you can uh, you can unlock in the next couple of minutes, sketch it out, brief it to me, brief, you know, as if it's going to a designer or a little team, whatever. Um, that's my challenge to you. A few minutes on the clock, can you come up with a an engaging, attention-grabbing thumbnail that will just encourage people to be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, gonna watch that, I'm gonna listen to that, let's click on that. I think all our discussions about, you know, the the eye of the idea, and we talked about this aperture, I think there's something in the idea of, um, you know, the brain, but kind of with wings on or with kind of sneakers on. Okay. Some, some kind of way of, um, you know, anthropomorphization of you know of a of a kind of a cheeky a cheeky brain something being ready so it's almost like the brains in the blocks ready to sprint around the race and get the answer but this the flashing cursor is suggesting I, i'm thinking yeah I'm thinking and then a tagline to put on put underneath it to sum up this conversation oh tagline uh Work hard, stay stay humble. Work hard, stay humble. I love it. I think that's probably us time. Stu, thank Brilliant. you so much for uh, being part of our, our pilot, the first ever Creative Minds conversation. Um, a lot a lot has been discussed. I really appreciate that. Um, a lot been, has been shared. Thank you very much. Um, and I think that's kind of concludes things. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Anytime. Next time, maybe we will do it over a pint. <laughs> yeah. I'll buy. <laughs> We've recorded that. <laughs>